What's up world? Welcome to the positive truth, uplifting, and positive news to help you believe in yourself and the world around you. Tim, what are we trying to bring? Here at The Positive Truth, we're trying to bring awareness, empowerment, inspiration, optimism, and understanding to communities everywhere. What does that I stand for, Tim? Inspiration. It's Inspirational Fridays. Tim loves this story. I have no idea what it is, because that's what we do here on Fridays. We don't even tell each other about the stories. Yeah. But, Tim, I'm going first. Do you like dog stories? Man, come on. Come on. <laughs> this isn't a dog story. <laughs> this is a cat story. Oh my gosh. Because the cats get no love on the Positive Truth Podcast. That is true. And I'm starting to like cats. It's weird. I'm changing, guys. Well. I'm ready for this one. Speaking of liking cats, there's an Atlanta resident. His name is Sterling Davis. And originally, a few years ago, he was a... He was a rapper, he was a music maker. And he was about to go on tour, but before he went on tour, he wanted to make a little extra money so he could go out and do some things on tour. And so he applied for his county sh shelter job. And he said, I did absolutely awful in their interview because they had cats in the room and I wasn't answering their questions. I just kept playing with the cats. And so he was like, I left it like, well, didn't get that job. But they called him and they're like, hey, we're gonna hire you because we're not seeing people like you with cats. And he was like, this is great. <laughs> so they, like, so he started working at the county shelter and after a few weeks, he kind of like looked around. He was like, I'm the only black person here and I'm the only man here. And they're like, yeah, that's why we hired you. No one comes in and applies as in the white woman. Like we need your diversity. So he started really liking the job. He was like, I'm not going on tour anymore. And so what they would do is they would go get outside cats, we'll just call them that. They would trap them and then they would spray and neuter them and put them back outside again instead of just killing them. And it says like the trapping it reduces feline overpopulation, curbs the spread of disease and helps with rodent control. So at the county shelter, since there were no men and no black people, they had a lot of hard time going into poor communities or just minority communities. So Sterling would go and like he would just face like crazy questions and he would just he would just start he start being the bridge the bridge the gap. He got so passionate about it. He was like I thought I loved making music. I really love doing this. He sold everything, Tim. Started his own Trap King Humane Cat Solutions. That's what he calls himself, the Trap King, since he traps the cats. That is the dopest <laughs> name. I'm, oh my gosh, that name is so dope. So, trap means something different in the hood in <laughs> So, Google that. But that, Urban Dictionary? <laughs> yeah, Urban Dictionary, that. So, him calling himself the Trap King that he founded in 2017 is absolutely awesome. He teamed up with Lifeline Animal Project and Best Friends Animal Society. And this, he gets donations. And he's been going through the community and they just call him Trap King now. Like, what's up, Trap King? And he goes around and he educates the whole community about pet population, how they can help spread, how you can be a better pet, pet owner. He's teaming up with rescue advocates and organizations. He has a t-shirt campaign called Allies in Rescue, Allies in Life. And whenever... George Floyd protests started happening. He was one of the first people people called, was like, yo, you need to call the Trap King, get his opinion. So now he's a leader in the community in Atlanta, helping spread awareness 
all because he went to apply for a job that he was just like, I like this, and it became an overall passion. And he really sold all his stuff, and he's living out of a van, and he gets donations, and people just, we want to support you in what you're doing. He's truly rich. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. That That is beautiful to me. That, that's what I hope people, like, see out of that story, that like, he's truly rich. That's all I got out of it. Like, it's not about your wealth or what people see of you. It's you truly fo- following your passion and doing for others. You're going to get so much more out of serving for others. And, it, oh, man, that story's beautiful, man. And it was about cats? Who knew? <laughs> yes, who knew? What did you get out of that, man? Follow your passions. Yeah, never know. <laughs> man, you ain't <laughs> lying. That blew my mind. Because you... If you follow your passions, you'll always end up in a better place than where you started. Might not, it's probably not going to be where you imagine it. I can definitely speak to that. You'll know, like, <laughs> but you'll end up in a better place than where you started. I agree 100%. And you might be a leader in the community that's literally bridging a gap. Like, people are going to remember you forever. Like, you're making an impact that's going to spread worldwide because of, like, you were just needed, and you just happened to walk into an interview, and they're like, that guy. Boom. Before we get to Tim's inspirational story, inspirational story, I don't know what I just said, not editing that out, we need to pause and do audio meditations where me and Tim talk about one thing we're grateful for each, because in the stresses of life, we often overlook all the great things going on in our own lives. We encourage everyone listening to think of one thing you're grateful for as well. Guaranteed to make your day so much more positive. Tim, what are you grateful for today? I mean, I'm grateful for holiday foods. It's that time of the year where desserts start to, start to get made and stuff. And uh, I feel like this is your third or fourth day in a row. You've talked about food. Dude, I'm not going to. You guys have no idea. It's going to be a new plate almost every single day, a new dessert. It's going to be something. I'm so excited. You guys have no idea. Ugh. But yeah, I'm grateful for uh, these desserts <laughs> that are about to get made, these empanadas. They're like peach jelly filled and strawberry jelly filled. It's going to be amazing. I'm not mad at it. I'm just pointing <laughs> out the facts. Uh, um, I'm grateful for good weather because it's like, I don't know, like 15 degrees Celsius here in the OKC, like 60 degrees Fahrenheit in the uh, worst units. So, yeah, good weather. I'm over here in shorts right now. It's wicked. <laughs> I don't get it because I'm a little cold. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Do you have a very cold... Ah, that's not a very good... Not editing it out. <laughs> you I'll, have a very I'll pick high... up the ball since we missed that. Oop. All right, um, I'm just kidding. Judy, story? have you ever heard of an, a woman by the name of Judy Human? No. Man, she's awesome. And let me tell you why. So, Judy, whenever she was 18 months old, she contracted polio. So, by her contracting polio, she's basically had to use a wheelchair for as long as she can remember. Um, still to this day, she's using a wheelchair. Now, that being said, we're going to start off whenever she was 18 months old. Or, not 18 months old, let's start off when she was about 8, because the whole time she's using a wheelchair. So, Judy was a kid, playful, very intelligent. She grows up in a household where her parents, they were actually from Germany. They actually came over to the United States because they were one of the lucky, I believe it was 700 people that got to come over from Germany. I apologize, 1,400 people that got to come over from Germany to escape the Holocaust. And... When they came over, they basically motivated their kids to get educated, no matter what. She had three older brothers. Her parents expected her to be just like them. But little did they know, you know, it was going to be a lot tougher for her because of her being in a wheelchair. So 
when people came over to her house, her friends even, they used to ask her, why didn't you tell me sitting at the table was going to be like this? The reason they asked that because whenever they sat at the table, their parents would talk about religion, they would talk about politics, they would talk about education, and they wouldn't hold anything back. Mm. And at the same time, if you ever brought up something to the table and you didn't know about it, her father would always point to the encyclopedias and tell them to go look it up. And you couldn't do anything, couldn't complete your meal, you couldn't do anything, JP, until you looked it up and came back with the correct answer. So it was one of those things where like people were like intimidated to go over after a while because they knew you're going to get challenged intellectually. Now, again, she's only eight years old at this time, right? Talking to her older brothers, talking to her parents, they're all about education. She had to get homeschooled because at that time, you know, they weren't letting kids that were disabled go to school because her wheelchair was considered a fire hazard, man. Mm. Ridiculous, right? Now, she's getting pushed by one of her friends, that's a boy, and this other little boy comes up and asks, hey, are you sick? She immediately just was shook. She didn't get mad, she didn't yell, she simply told him, no, I'm not. But she said that was the first time that she could remember ever feeling different, that she didn't feel different, but the way other people saw her made her feel different. They saw her as a different person. They saw her as somebody that was sick, which she simply wasn't. So that moment right there, she said she can remember, changed her whole entire perspective. She didn't want that anymore. She wanted people to know that she can do whatever. So she tried hard. Her mom kept teaching her. Her mom kept fighting for her to try to get into a school. Um, never gave up. It was the 1950s, so it, obviously you know how, how tough it was. She finally gets into a school, and when she gets into the school, it was basically in a basement. All of her classes were. She had to stay away from everybody. The only time she got to uh, be around other kids is whenever they had an assembly once a week, and it was very little socializing there anyways. But the thing is, is that she was a very good student. She did all of her work, she got straight A's. I mean, she did everything she possibly could to go to college. And when she went to college, she kind of opened up there. She realized she wanted to get involved. She started, you know, standing up for the disabled community. And she realized, you know what, I want to be a teacher. So, this again, this is the 1950s. In the 1950s, there weren't any disabled teachers in New York. Not one. So, guess what? She passed all her certificates. She applied for the job, and then she got rejected. She got rejected, and you know what it said? Because you're disabled? Because paralyzed from both extremities. That's what it said. She said she was shocked. I, didn't, I wasn't going to sue right away is what she said. I was more concerned of how can I get out of this wheelchair and teach. But then she realized, you know what? I got to do what I have to do. And all that being said, we're going to fast forward a little bit. She ended up winning that case and became one of the first te disabled teachers in the state of New York. Now, that's not the inspirational part. I mean, it's amazing in itself, right? <laughs> okay. So she decided, you know what? I'm going to start focusing on activism a little bit. She decided to move over to the West Coast. When she moved over to the West Coast, she was living in San Francisco. And uh, the disabled community over there, it was kind of bad. You know, they, there was no support for the disabled community. They could barely work. Um, they couldn't go to school. They couldn't really teach. If you had a teaching certificate, it was so hard for them over there. So this disabled community that was going on, she decided to organize a protest in this government building. And when she went to this government building, they had no idea this protest would turn out the way that it did. They go in thinking they would have to be there for maybe five days. They're in all there protesting inside of this government building, waiting to talk to people, and nobody was showing up. People were ignoring them. And every representative, there was just no, no eyes on them. And then after about a week with people not eating, 
people, more people starting to show up, people using the restroom around the corner and coming right back. People had to start going down there to talk to them. Representatives had to start going down there to communicate. Hmm, almost like they had to go do their job. Exactly. Oh, amazing. Exactly. So this is 10 days into it now at this point. Judy decides to speak to the man, that's the government official that comes down to talk. And she tells him, we are not going to do this anymore. You guys are not going to treat us like secondhand citizens. You're not going to act like we don't know what's going on. And she said what frustrated her was he did not say anything back. He just stood there nodding his head. Like mm. he just didn't know what to say. Mm. She said that infuriated her to the point of where she knew she couldn't give up. So we're going to fast forward to not 15, not 20, but 25 days later. Whenever the government officials were like, you know what? We have to finally do something. Mm. So they decided to sign, which I think this is awesome, um, they decided to sign an act um, in 1973, Section 504, and it's basically enforcing, it's the American Coalition of Citizens with Disabilities, um, basically forcing people to treat these secondhand citizens in quotations like a normal citizen. Everybody needs to come up to code. Everybody needs to make sure you have disabled doors and all that good stuff on the west on the west coast issue was is that whenever that act got signed it got them out the doors obviously judy even says we were all terrified to leave that government building just because they signed this act doesn't mean they're actually going to do something mm. it wasn't until about four years later that that the act was actually pushed by president carter which i thought was really awesome um it just shows you that judy being a young eight-year-old kid who got told something that blew her mind that yo i'm not different why are you looking at me like i am and she knew even knew back then that she wanted to make a difference she had no idea she thought her difference was just becoming a teacher she had no idea that she was going to change the laws inspire the change of laws for the dis disabled community all over the country and i thought this was really awesome i was like man i have no idea how many people know about this story i have to do a little bit more reading on her because i'm wondering if she's still doing some activism at her 72 year old age now so uh yeah man i'm hoping edna listens to this story too because i know she would like uh miss judy over here i just i wish i could not show up for 25 days and then have to do something so not shout out to those government officials man but yeah it is awesome tim tim i like how i was like oh that's where the story's gonna end and then it just kept going dude she's like done so many this dude <laughs> so basically everything we see like all those um anything that's like handicap accessible in california is because of the fight they put through why is this not in our history books it's going to be in this next set because you know covid's like <laughs> I feel like COVID's forcing everybody to throw away these old history books, and let's let's actually write some new history books of what we know. Because Judy is a beast. The fact that we don't know who she is is wild to me. You know she served from 1993 to 2001 as an assistant secretary in the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitation Services in the Department of Education? Yeah, she should. She she deserved it. She 100% deserved it, but yet no, I, mean, I had no... people like her in office. I have never heard of her in my life. Like, a woman like this should be president in my eyes, you know what I mean? She's got my vote. Facts. <laughs> yeah. If podcasts could vote. <laughs> it's like the opposite of if corporations could vote. Man, I see what you did there. I really have nothing to add other than shout out to, shout out to Miss Human. Helping out humans everywhere. Bars. <laughs> Do you have a quote, Tim? I will not follow where the path may lead, but I will go where there is no path, and I will leave a trail. Quotes by Tim? 
If you want to support the podcast, make sure to like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star review helps us out so much. Helps us spread our message of positivity out to the world. We also have a Patreon where if you subscribe, you get a bonus positive news episode every single week. And we take all of our Patreon money and our sponsorship money and we donate every single month when we do our favorite positive news stories of that month. And whoever the Patreon tells us to donate to, that's exactly where we donate to. We're out. Stay positive.